So just having the data doesn't energize physicians or practices. You have to make that part of the dashboard, get it up on the dashboard for the clinicians to see so they can be motivated to do something about it. Thank you for listening to the Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelley Chopra. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and our ever-changing landscape of healthcare industry. Our goal in the series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry's top experts and thought leaders. And before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and let us know what you think about the episode and any other questions that might be top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Marino, Managing Principal at Lumina Health Partners and an industry thought leader for value-based care. I was thinking about when dealing with public health crisis or chronic health issues, such as the environment we're in today, it becomes imperative to bring together all community resources in a way that we can achieve maximum impact with perhaps limited resources at hand. Not only does it require coordination of resources, equally important becomes how we leverage data to really understand the impact and identify opportunities for improvement. And really the second important part is also how to manage provider engagement, managing through the process because they can have many competing priorities. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as we all know, we're going through the coronavirus challenges right now is a significant public health issue. And, you know, when you talk to organizations around the country and particularly physicians around the country, the data is really important because the data helps to not only understand what's currently happening with, you know, the needs and a lot of the medical issues of, of patients, but it helps to begin to predict or anticipate what could happen with, you know, potential population, you know, certainly as it relates to the coronavirus, but not just with that, I think with a lot of the other public health issues. There's two other areas, though, I think besides the data, and you touched on one of them, provider engagement is essential. But along with provider engagement, you also have to have the patient engagement. And I think those three areas taken together are what really help providers address a lot of the public health issues that we're all facing currently. Absolutely, absolutely. And they all have to come together in a systematic fashion to truly you know, leverage, and I come back to the whole data part, to make the most optimal impact, they all have to be synergized here together. So I'm quite excited about our guest today, Dan, to share some experience on this topic. Yeah, our guest today is Vince Keenan. He's CEO of the Illinois Academy of Family Practice. And Vince has a wonderful project that he's going to share with us today on how he really engaged his providers, um, as you had mentioned, Shelley, around data, around provider engagement, and also around patient engagement. And although his, his project was really focused on pneumococcal vaccination rates, we can take a lot of these lessons learned and incorporate them into a lot of the public health issues that we're working through today. Welcome, Vince. Really have, happy to have you along with us today. Hi, Dan and Shelley. Thank you very much for inviting me to participate. Uh, I'm the 
chief staff person, but not a family physician. Uh, I've been working for them for about 30 years now. And this uh, project on pneumococcal vaccine is really an exciting one because it takes a disease we know a lot about and a vaccine we're very comfortable with and explore ways in which we can increase the number of people 65 years of age and older who get that vaccine to prevent them from getting uh, pneumonia and also to take care of uh, people with chronic diseases under age 65. The project was funded through a grant and really consisted of a QI expert, a content expert, and a systems expert. So these were folks that you're not, uh, you're not going to normally find in a, in a practice. So we were able to bring to bear some experts who are going to help a few practices around the state to increase their pneumococcal vaccine rates. So Vince, as you were starting to think through moving forward with this as a, an important project for IAFP, and as you said, you, you, know, you were able to receive some grant funding, how did you start with PV? Why was this an important initiative for your providers? And in some cases, what were you anticipating uh, in terms of what you were trying to solve for or, or treat patients within the community? In the population health perspective, uh, pneumonia is a disease that can be prevented. Uh, the pneumococcal vaccine does a really great job on preventing uh, pneumonia from happening. And pneumonia, uh, especially for uh, people over 65 and people with chronic diseases, is, uh, adds a terrible burden. And uh, so we chose that because it probably has a huge impact on the Medicare population and the chronic disease population. So I would think as you're moving forward with this, the engagement with providers is key, right? Really understanding how they need, what they need to focus on, identifying the patients that really are in need of this. Some patients will get their PV vaccinations, others won't. Talk a little bit about what you did to engage the providers. How did you make this as a high priority on their clinic work list? Yes, um, so the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, uh, has guidelines for practices all around the country. Where should you be in terms of your percentage rate for uh, pneumococcal vaccine? So we thought, we looked at some of the numbers around the state and found that there's really a wide variation. Uh, there's not a lot of new science. There's not a lot of new process. So what it told us is we really need to focus in on a practice or two and really try to help them develop awareness of what their current rates are and help them set goals for where they want to be. So just having the data doesn't energize physicians or practices. You have to make that part of the dashboard, get it up on the dashboard for the clinicians to see so they can be motivated to do something about it. Uh, Dan, you know, there's probably 250 different things that practices can track. Everything can't be a priority. Getting this up on the dashboard was probably our first goal for each one of these practices. And then secondly, engaging a champion at the practice, uh, usually a family physician or a quality improvement person to really kind of drive through the message that this is important. Yeah, I agree. You know, we often talk about on our program here that organizations, practices, health systems have a lot of data. What they don't have a lot of is actionable insights, right? So they're not really sure how to take that data 
and really do something about it that's meaningful. It sounds like a lot of the good work that you were able to do was take that data, really begin to you know, identify where you wanna make a big impact or a big change. You engaged a champion to kind of lead that. And then really with that outreach to the patients, really identified a new clinical workflow that were able to, allowed you to be really be able to accomplish those PV goals. Yes, once we were able to engage um, the four different groups that we had, and we ended up with two that have stuck with us through this, uh, really getting the benchmark data was the first part. And it actually was much harder than I thought when we engaged the practices. They said, oh, sure, we, you know, we collect that PV data. But um, as you know, getting in the queue of uh, getting the data and getting it out and getting it on a dashboard took us uh, about three to six months uh, in both the cases. One was a, a rural family practice, and the other was a, a north side of Chicago federally qualified health center. So when we were able to first get that data in line, then we sat down with the physician champions as well as the QI folks and said, okay, here's where we're at. How do we get to those next steps? So, uh, and then along with our QI expert from the grant, we would set some goals and try to talk through, you know, operationally what might happen. And from that point, it really became important to regularly engage the clinicians on how are they doing. And uh, once you can get something on the, what we call the dashboard or the top five, then everybody knows about it. Then it becomes part of the monthly meeting of the clinicians. So everybody can see what everyone else is doing or how they are doing as compared to everyone else. So those were huge motivators. Uh, in the case of the rural clinic, we found you know, at first they were around 48% uh, pneumococcal vaccine rate for the 65 and older. But as they began to focus on it, it moved up to 51% and then uh, finally up to 68%. So there were no financial incentives there. It was really just getting it on the dashboard, making it a part of the monthly meeting, having the QI person get those reports out. That was really helpful. Well, it sounds like you created awareness throughout the whole practice, which was great. And then as, like you said, you created that awareness through keeping it on the dashboard top of mind, that was embedded in the clinical workflow. And that becomes really important. So then it becomes the norm as opposed to the you know, exception, if you will. And I also like, the, Vince, the point you made was not only did you take the data and bring it to the point of need, in other words, incorporating that into their workflow, you also leverage the data to give that constant feedback, whether you're leveraging the sense of competition, but more importantly, giving them a feedback on how they are moving the needle or not able to move the needle. So they have something tangible to look back to and make, go back and make tweaks to their workflow as well. And I think closing that feedback loop is equally important than to just track and provide the data. Yes, in the case of uh, one of the clinics, they really hadn't had pneumococcal vaccine even on their dashboard of their top 25. I mean, it had fallen lower than that. And so what was interesting was getting that back on the dashboard, we did uh, use our clinical education expert to put together several videos so that not only the, the frontline family physicians, but also their clinical staff could view those educational programs and get up to speed so that we made sure that everyone was aware of, you know, where's the current science 
on this? Where are the what's the current you know process science on this? So that that was really helpful to have that base to to make sure that everyone at every clinic started off at a at a good spot. And I think that really helped move things along uh, at a faster rate. We have some anecdotal reports. The the rural um, group was actually five different practice sites, and uh, some of them were new practice sites with new staff. So the having the educational programs gave them a good start along the way. And what a great way to engage the whole team at the practice around that educational sessions, around those videos, you know, really, like you said, to create that baseline. Talk for a few minutes on how the practices engage the patients. So was there certain education programs they put in place or did you run some campaigns? How did you engage the patients to, you know, have them participate as much as they really needed to have them participate in order to, to achieve those goals? We were very fortunate that uh, both the rural and the uh, urban uh, groups did have outreach um, mechanisms in place to reach their patients. So they used those outreach mechanisms to call in their patients who were in our target population, the uh, 65 and older and chronic diseases uh, such as diabetes or smokers. And they reached out to them via their, their outreach programs to bring those people into the uh, clinics. So very targeted, very important way to uh, raise the awareness level there. Uh, secondly, uh, what was developed in the process uh, at the clinics was every patient over 65 in the, the morning before the visits were to take place was flagged. So they put flags on each one of the medical records uh, in order to uh, make sure that there was some engagement on the uh, pneumococcal vaccine. So uh, there was uh, the MA as they were uh, rooming patients, you know, would, would bring it up. And then the physician and uh, the other clinicians would reinforce that. And then they also uh, tried to make the pneumococcal vaccine available at that visit. Yeah, and it really sounds like the team took really a proactive role on being able to anticipate what's occurring with the patients, to become prepared when the patients actually showed up for that visit. So when the patients did, they, you know, they, they knew that the patient needed this PV vaccine or the PV and engaged the patients right then and there. Although there wasn't a direct financial incentive attached to this, um, you definitely created the burning platform for change. But I do think there was an indirect opportunity here. If you think about it, the population that you were working through, Vince, was really those that were 65 years and older, the Medicare population. Many of the Medicare participants right now are participating in an ACO or Medicare Advantage program of which... PV is an important measure that's included in there. So I would really think, I would anticipate that although there wasn't a direct financial incentive for them to perform according to the study, there was an indirect benefit, obviously in terms of you know, supporting the community health opportunity, but also a financial opportunity for the practices for those that are actually participating in an ACO. Uh, great point, Dan. I really think that uh, the more we move to value-based care, uh, highlighting, you know, perhaps every year a different um, vaccination or a different disease entity in which we can make some difference is really uh, powerful. Uh, I think that's the beauty of the value-based um, contracts is that they think about the world 
kind of the way that family physicians do, which is, you know, they take care of people from the beginning of life to its end. They see themselves as life coaches. And so any way in which the family physicians can help their patients, their population that they see uh, to improve their health through easy things like a pneumococcal vaccine uh, certainly is a great way to incentivize. So for our audience, maybe you can quickly go over some of the statistics that you saw and some of the outcomes of the project. Sure, sure. Our, uh, uh, our Central Illinois group, uh, five different uh, clinics, they started off, as I had mentioned, at about 48%. And then after uh, just getting it up on the dashboard, it inched up to 51% at the end of uh, the fourth quarter last year. And then in a, in a check-in call just last month, uh, they were up to 68%. So just great focus. It worked out very well. This is a, a strong farming uh, community in central Illinois with a very long-term practice. So lots of continuity of care. So lots of respect for the providers. So that I think is a, a strong reason as to why this worked. Uh, in the city, the uh, Federally Qualified Health Center, they start out with all patients. Uh, they had a, a, a higher benchmark. They were at 57%. They were already doing about 72% for their diabetes patients, and they were uh, at 54% uh, with their smokers. So they were able actually to move up each one of those a few percentage points after just two months, and then continue that work uh, uh, two months later. So they were up in uh, easily into the lower 60s uh, for their, I'm sorry, for all patients and for smokers, and then up to the mid-70s for their diabetes patients. In the city, there was a particular challenge because we have um, some communities that are not in favor of vaccinations. So uh, of the five clinics for this federally qualified health center, one of them was in a community that had a lot of people who were not in favor of vaccinations. And uh, they struggled with that, but then they put together uh, best practices from the other four clinics and then began to apply them in that clinic where there was uh, more resistance to vaccines. And, and so they really changed the, the, the feel in that clinic to more of a vaccine confident. It's a little different when you're thinking about uh, vaccines for adults than it is vaccines for children. So I think they were able to make some progress there by sharing across their five other four clinics some best practices. That's fantastic, Vince. Congratulations on those outcomes. Um, really good. And obviously you helped a lot of people all across the state of Illinois. If any of our audience members were interested in finding out a little bit more information on the study, um, are you planning to have a white paper or is there a way that they can come to your website? Any information you'd be able to share with our audience? Sure, our uh, project is just about wrapping up. We have a presentation later this month and then a final report in June. So yes, if they uh, contact us at our uh, website um, or send an e email to IAFP at IAFP.com, we can certainly share information with them. Great, great. Well, congratulations again, Vince. Really appreciate your time and sharing this with us. And, and Shelly, I'll tell you, some of the things that IAFP did, their lessons learned, their ability to be able to use the data, engage physicians, engage staff and patients, we really can learn a lot in terms of how we're even managing right now the coronavirus public health issue across the country. 
Absolutely, Dan. I think it, this really very nicely brings together leveraging data, incorporating that on the front lines, integrating that into the processes, having a very comprehensive approach to keep the clinicians engaged, the providers engaged, but also not forgetting the third element, as you mentioned, it's a patient engagement as well. Their motivation to be part of the process and having a constant feedback loop so everybody's well informed on how and at what rate the progress is being made. And I think that's, to your point, certainly something that we can um, leverage in the current situation as well. One of the things that, that Vince brought out, which particularly resonated with me, is the ability for the office to become very proactive on managing mm -hmm. the care with these patients and anticipating these patients that needed PV when they came into the office the same can hold true with how we're managing patients with the coronavirus these days. Mm -hmm. To really be able to use the data and anticipate what's occurring with these patients before they come in helps the office become much more prepared for any type of issue, whether it be chronic disease or some of the public health issues we're dealing with, a great lesson learned. Absolutely, being proactive in triaging and helping the traffic we're sending to the testing centers or even the hospitals from there. I think that's really a key factor in how we manage the capacity go forward. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe us on all major podcast platforms and leave us feedback. You can also find additional blogs, thought leadership articles on this topic and much more, as well as transcript of today's podcast episode on our website, luminahp.com. Join us again next time where we continue our deep dive into topics that are top of your mind, including success strategies in today's environment of constant change. Until then, have a great day.